I would say if the authorities didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, I would say the same idea. Yeah, I would say same that. End. I would say, what's the problem with stardust bumping into stardust? In the in the cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the oh, cosmic right. picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful Savior, and the Gospel is not a suggestion, it is a command. Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the Gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. You have not experienced this before. You're going to love it. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever, whoever, see, there it is, guys, it's happening already, relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. Glad you guys joined us. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. That's where you can go to get all the past episodes, whether it was on the radio or podcast form. You have Apologia Radio. You have Sheologians. You have Provoked. You have Cultish. All that's there at ApologiaStudios.com. You can also go to ApologiaStudios.com, and you can sign up for Bonson U. It's Dr. Greg Bonson's life work. It's his seminary lectures, his teachings from church, his debates, all that stuff. It's at Bonson U. You sign up, get a free account at ApologiaStudios.com. And when you sign up, you can have access to one of the greatest seminary level educations known to man. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's totally free. Uh, so big thanks to uh, the Bonson family for entrusting us with that. And uh, I'm trying my best just to... You're good form sentences right now. I have a couple days of just difficulty and no sleep. And so if I start saying really strange things, just give me a nudge. Just be like, throw something hey, at you. you're not speaking about the same just thing anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, Cut sign up for all access. When you do, you guys make everything we do possible. So we have so much planned. We just had a meeting yesterday with the team. I'm very, very excited about 2023. We have a lot coming to bless you, to bless your church. Um, teaching ministry, on-the-street evangelism, all kinds of great stuff happening with End Abortion Now. Uh, by the way, uh, if you haven't signed your church up for End Abortion Now yet to get free training and free resources to come and join the about 900 churches uh, to go out to the abortion clinics to preach the gospel to save lives, then go to endabortionnow.com. It is totally free. 
for your church to get equipped and get training and resources. We want to be no burden on your church. We want to help raise your church up uh, to be a part of the thousands upon thousands of lives that have been spared um, at the abortion clinics. But big news. Here's the big news. Um, It was good two months ago. It was good six months ago in terms of our plans for 2023 and the legislators we were talking to. Um, You just need to know, and we just had this conversation yesterday, that I, I think that it feels like there's a bit of a stall in the area of um, the issue of, you know, Christians focused on abolishing or ending uh, the injustice of abortion, because I think many of us have thought, okay, Roe Ro is out of the way. And so, okay, we're good. We've accomplished that this monster's out of the way. That's not true. Um, we have, we're just at the start line in, in many respects, because now this big monster's out of the way, we can start doing the real work because it's no more, it's not an excuse any longer. And so we have so much more we have to do. Um, and so we need your help. But the good news is, is again, months ago, we were like, hey, there's some great stuff happening for 2023. We got legislators already that are committed, that love the Lord, and they're putting these bills in to say, hey, equal protection for all humans from conception in my state. Uh, we have eight now, eight states. Next legislative session, we have eight states to include uh, Georgia. We've got, <laughs> boy, that was a bit hard for me today, Alabama, Mississippi, Arizona, um, Idaho. Uh, Idaho. We are helping with Idaho. That's right. We got one in Idaho now. Uh, Scott Herndon. Yep. In in Idaho is going to be putting one in Idaho. Um, that's we're going to support that bill. That's not actually a bill that we've put in, but that's that's a bill we're supporting. We've got South Dakota happening. We've got did you um, say Louisiana. Did I say Louisiana? I, I don't, don't know remember. if I did. So Louisiana, we Georgia, have a lot. Georgia, you may have said that. Um, a lot. I we think d- we do have Arkansas now too. Do we really? Oh, praise like it, I, and okay. Texas again. Oh yeah. Okay, so maybe that's nine or ten now. Just okay. keep them going. I'm not yeah. counting those. Okay. Yeah. So all that to say, big things are happening. It's 2023. It's going to be, I think, um, our most difficult year yet with the work that we're doing for End Abortion Now, which means that we need you to join us financially. So go to endabortionnow.com to, 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 to partner with us financially because although we are lean and mean as a ministry and we don't have anywhere near the dollars um, as the pro-life establishment and all the you know tens of millions that they bring in, um, we accomplish a lot by God's grace and in his power. We accomplish a lot uh, through a very uh, lean and mean ministry of Apologia Church, uh, but we need you to support us because it, you know, I think last year, let's go ahead and announce stuff to people here. Last year, we probably spent $100,000 on the bill Louisiana. in Louisiana and the work we had to do to get that bill into Louisiana and to fight with that bill. And it was unprecedented what took place. And they talked about it all over the national media. Uh, it was a big, big moment for the church and uh, honestly a huge success in terms of planting a seed that did some real damage and it's growing now into fruition. And so, uh, by the way, many of the bills that are happening now in 2023 for ending abortion in terms of equal protection and abolition are happening as a result of what happened in Louisiana, inspiring other legislators, it can be done. Okay, that's the direction we have to go. That's what faithfulness and consistency is. So all that to say, go to endabortionnow.com, give there, sign up there, and on to you. Thank you. It actually worked. You did it. I was able to communicate. Okay. You did. Okay. So do you know what today is? Guess what day it is. It's a decade. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's hump day. We're past hump day. Okay. So you don't even know what day I was going to say Thursday. It's a decade, bro. Is it officially Apology 10 years? Radio, 10 years. 10 years. Whoop. streamers. I thought I'd known I'd come ah, more prepared, like, like a, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah 10 We years. should have, like, you know, someone dancing in the background, you yeah. know. Well, we brought in a special guest. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to our 10-year anniversary. That's Big. what I was here for. It's a decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I came just for this. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. You ready to leap into today? Uh, yeah, quickly, I was going to say, um, you probably, if you caught on at the beginning, we have a new ad for our our uh, dear brothers at uh, Armored Republic. They are sponsoring us. We're partnering with them. We're very thankful for them. I actually have on our... Armed Republic Apology Radio mashup t-shirt nice. today, which is pretty cool. And you can find that at shop.apologiastudios.com to get some of those. And then we're also excited to be partnering with New St. Andrews. And we I'm going to let this man right here do the do the spiel for New St. Andrews You today. want a spiel? Give me a spiel. A spiel. New St. Andrews College, Moscow, Idaho, graduating <laughs> leaders who shape culture under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Damn. Check us out at nsa.edu. That was sweet and to the point. Very Presbyterian. Ben <laughs> Merkel, our good friend, Ben Merkel. Um, I don't even know how many times you've been on. And it's been several. Yeah, a few it's times. It's been a few yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. I checked my punch card. but We've spent time <laughs> together and you know done life together and eaten together. And, and uh, we love Ben and his family and all those guys up in Moscow and gals. Um, and so Ben happened to be here right now. And so I think... It'd be good. So, okay. So, I want to just at the outset say this: um, when we're dealing, we're going to deal with some conceptual stuff right now in terms of people making claims about you know what this particular position believes. They made some errors. Um, we're going to deal with some issues that I think conceptually are very, very important for us to to get rooted in Scripture and a biblical framework in or on. And the reason being is I think uh, much of the uh, of the collapse that we see around us in Western civilization, Western culture, much of you know Christendom that's sort of you know um, the, the you know the, it's still there, but it's it, much of it has sort of been you know rebel and we need to rebuild and and conquer again. Um, this conceptual area of the law of God and justice and just how do you apply the principles of sola scriptura to everyday life is very, very important. I was saying to Ben before we came on the show today, you know, we've never had in church history, like a major reformation moment where like back to the Bible moment in terms of the church, you know, largely thinking about it and getting into scraps over the issue on the law of God, specifically in terms of um, its abiding relevance today and like how how do you apply that general equity because like you'll have like the westminster divines will say uh you know the general equity of the law but like being able to like really explicate that so that everyone understands what do we mean by general equity of the law and how does that apply in principle to all of society to my family uh to the church to the state all those things we need to do that so this particular discussion like we i was saying to the guys we we love doreen like yeah. I, I love her testimony. I absolutely love her. I have had I spent time with her. She's wonderful. I don't know Pastor John personally, and I didn't really know about you know the show Theocast yeah, and things like that. Um, but this is a good little moment for us to continue to interact with. Um, and I want to say we're always very cautious about like what kind of scraps do we get into? What kind of like conversations do we want to get into? Is it something that's going to bring division in the body that's just totally unnecessary? Or is it a conversation that actually is very valuable and it could be transform transformative? Um, and let me just say, because Ben's here, so all that to say leading into this, when you talk about conceptually getting this right according to Scripture, the authority of Christ, the law, word of God, God's uh, principles of justice and wisdom and righteousness in the world around us, and you have a perspective of the future— when you get it right and you have a perspective of the future of Christ is ruling and reigning now and he's putting all of his enemies under his feet, it does change the way you live. It does. 
I mean, it really does. One of the first things people say is like, I'll go around the country and say, hey, Pastor Jeff, you know, really, because of your sermon on post-millennialism, I listened, I went to those verses, it challenged me, and like, it's, I'm post-mill now, and I always say the same thing, right? I always say, praise God, let's get to work. And the response is generally the same. They're like, yeah, that's the thing that's most affected me. It's like now looking at my life going, what should I be doing? Like, yep. I'm here, and we're here for the long haul. Like, how can I bring this under the rule of Christ and, and, and how can I be faithful in all areas? And so that brings me to Ben. Ben is from Moscow and, um, he, um, is with new St. Andrews and president of new St. Andrews and new St. Andrews is just a rigorous, rigorous education, um, Christian education that sees it's holistic. It's like everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's how to think like a Christian, how to reason like a Christian, how to work like a Christian. And it's in every area of life. But NSA is just a part of like this movement of the church in the town of Moscow mm -hmm. with Christchurch. You've got Canon Press where you're publishing materials and you're a media platform. You've got, um, you've got all the businesses that are owned by believers and members of Christ church that mm -hmm. are doing it to the glory of God. And like I was, I've said many times, if you go to main street, yeah, like the best places to eat with the best products mm -hmm. and that the funnest places to be at are like owned by members of, it is really striking how yeah. much of a Christian economy is, is there. And it's moving into just, it's not just like one business. It's just a whole wide variety, all kind of um, looking to do business, but do life together all to the glory of God and looking to his word to figure out how we ought to do this right. And I think it's just very striking to see that overflow into a culture. Yeah. And I think that's that. And, and it's funny because if you listen to the person who's not with Christ Church in mm -hmm. Moscow uh, or, you know, University of Idaho, mm -hmm. like, right, you know, it's like you've got people understand when you're there, people understand there's there's like a, a tension at points yeah. between two completely foreign or different cultures. Yeah, yeah. If you if you move to Moscow right now, guaranteed within your first week of moving to Moscow, somebody's going to give you a literal list. Like like this happens. There's a list, and it's all the people that own businesses that are connected to Christchurch. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you this is the list of the places you cannot go. I'm like I'm not exaggerating. This isn't <laughs> metaphorical. Like you will be handed a list, and you'll be told don't shop in these places. Really. Yeah. But what's often said is. And it's unfortunate because some of these are the best places, you know, like it's they actually are. I really kind of like going in there, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's okay. So I'm trying to bring this together in terms of like, why have a discussion? You know, I, I don't really know Pastor John and you know, I know Doreen, um, but uh, why have this discussion? Like, you know, are, are we going to create disunity here that doesn't need to be, you know, doesn't need to be there? You know, is this just adding offer issues? that we just need to ignore and just move along. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, no, the, the practical issues here are very relevant and the principled issues here are very relevant. And I, I think about what's happening in Moscow and how the mindset of the rule and reign of Christ over all things mm -hmm. in every area of life, the view to the future that says we have a duty to spend this gold that God has given to us, not bury it. Right. And we have to make sure he has a return when he comes back. Yeah. You know, we look, well, look what I built for you. Um, and our, our aim is to bring the gospel into every area of life and to bring every area of life under the authority of Christ. So it's not just government. 
Right. Work. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, Deuteronomy 6, you get that great uh, image of, of, you know, scripture as frontlets to your eyes, as, as, as something that, mm-hmm. that is right here and is right here on your hand, that basically the idea that you're supposed to teach your children to see the world and to see all that they set their hands to through the lens of scripture and through the instruction of scripture. The problem is if you say, no, scripture doesn't speak to those things, then you leave people with no there's no application, there's no instruction, there's there's nothing like that. And I think that's the real concern is the truncating of where where does scripture um, speak and what does it speak to? Mm-hmm. I think a biblical view is well everywhere. It's, it's, it's speaking to everything. And I'd be really concerned about a view that starts to say, no, scripture doesn't instruct a government how it ought to act. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 um, very concerning. Yeah, it's really concerning. Yeah, it is. It, it, in terms of you have this 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 word from God, this revelation of God that's so comprehensive, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't tell us everything about everything. Right. Right? Not all knowledge in the universe is in this revelation. Yeah, you can't you can't be simplistic. Is it, it we don't have an instruction manual for everything you could possibly set your hand to in scripture. Mm-hmm. What we have are our godly principles that wisdom has to apply and translate to each situation. But you can't say so you can say Look, it, it, it's a broad principle that I have to apply with wisdom, but that's different than saying um, it doesn't apply to this at all. It doesn't; it's not relevant to this at all. That's right, and so that's the issue of like the comprehensive nature of scripture, mm-hmm. where you know, like when I, I feel the same way when I hear someone today, you know, a typical Western, you know, evangelical or professing Christian, sort of treat the issue of like government of like, well, God has nothing to say to that, yeah, or or the issue of like the the relationship. Um, between, you know, with, with public education and those sorts of things and like education, education is neutral. We can do education without Jesus. And it's just like, wait, 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 this is yeah. not good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's why we would want to address like a conversation like this, yeah. because a conversation like this not only misrepresented the position itself, it just showed ignorance about what you know, yeah. theonomists would, would teach, but it also, it impacts us in, in dramatic ways because it takes Christians, when you say, you know, you know, don't believe in the victory of Christ in history, like it's just going to get mm-hmm. worse and we're just, this is going to hell in a handbasket, don't right. worry. And you say, don't, don't worry about thinking about how God's word and wisdom and his law would apply to, you know, magistrates that God right. calls his deacon. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about that. Like Jesus isn't worried about that. Right. Um, it pulls Christians out of the fight. Yeah. And I would say... You know, why is it, and I'll end with this and give it to you, and then we'll go to the, to the video, but I'm going to lay some foundation here. Why is it that we still have laws on the books in Texas, in much, much of uh, New England, um, in Idaho, um, across the nation, we still have laws on the books that call bestiality like a crime, yeah. you know, homosexuality, a crime, right. um, uh, polygamy, a crime. Um, it's still on the books. Like, why? Where? How that? How that get there? Right. Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, yeah. You know, like t- today we go. Oh, everything's collapsing. It's darkness, and they're, they're, you know, gender bending, and they're destroying marriage and everything else. And like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Whatever we're going to do. And it's like, you know, it's weird. Those Christians in the past seem to understand that, like, you do need to have God's standards and principles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like here. Right. Yeah. I, I was, I was struck in the video. The, the, seemed to be saying that the 10 commandments are the only piece of the law that has continuing relevance or application now. Um, so, um, can I marry my sister? Um, you, 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 it's not in the 10 commandments. I don't think, um, can we have sex with animals in a new covenant? Yeah. In the new covenant. Can we right. Do that? There, there's just a whole host of things that actually scripture unpacks for us. And we do have, um, you know, the glory of 
the law of God being written on your heart. So we do have natural revelation. There's a law of God written in your heart. There's a lot of people who implicitly know and then think that because I implicitly know, doesn't I don't need scripture to say it. But the problem is the more and more twisted you get, that, that natural revelation gets more and more blurry. So, you know, Calvin describes um, the scripture like the, the, the corrective lenses that go on to your eyesight. So we can all see with our natural eyes, with natural revelation, we have a, a, an initial kind of rough guess about morality. But because of the fall, we're, we're confused and everything is blurry. So scripture comes on and makes it clear. Hmm. But I think the further we get away from our Christian heritage, the blurrier our eyesight is. And that means the more powerful of a prescription we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we cannot rely just on what is implicit in people's intuition. We need scripture to directly address it. And it's probably true that there are times when you didn't need a Bible verse to tell you not to do that. Um, you didn't need a Bible verse to tell you you can't have sex with animals. But now it's getting to the point where you might actually need, need a Bible verse. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You're no, that you're cross-eyed exactly right. yes. that you need, you need yeah. that kind of explicit instruction. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a good, good illustration. And and I said last week, you know, Scripture does teach, and it's funny that you have to get this conceptually from Scripture to be certain about it, that there's natural revelation and natural law, yeah. and that, so, or general revelation, and then there's special revelation. Like, we understand because Scripture tells us, here's how God made the world, here's what they know, and yeah. here's what they're doing with that knowledge, and this is what the revelation of God is, and it's theonoustos, it's breathed out by God, it's profitable. So, like, we understand that, like, God gives us these two books, general revelation and special revelation. God says he does. Like, it's clear in Scripture. There's general revelation, there's special revelation. The problem is because of human sin and corruption and rebellion um, and suppression of truth, um, a lot of this natural revelation, this general revelation, gets muddy and outright rejected because of sin. If you have any doubt about that, I just would encourage you to just walk down the streets of like, I don't know, downtown Seattle and tell me if you see any men that are dressed like women or things, you know, they're, they're taking the revelation of God that what they clearly know. And they're saying, no, I don't want him. I don't want to know that. And the point is, is if God gives us both books, general and special, then um, they're not going to contradict each other. Because they're both from God, they're the same. They're from the same Creator, the same one that's given the revelation, general and special. And so the point is, is that if you've got two books from the same God, general revelation and special revelation, they're not going to contradict one another, because they're from the same God. So you have to use the light of special revelation to be that corrective lens, to mm-hmm. be that light that really shines into general revelation, because you've got general revelation according to Scripture being suppressed by the rebel. And so, yeah, general revelation does give you good things, but the problem is sin and rebellion that always blurs it and says, no thanks, I don't want it. So special revelation is that word from God that speaks right back into that general revelation and says, no, you know. You know that you're guilty and you know this is evil. And I have certainty because it's special. Yes. I was just just gonna say before we get into this, because I know there was, an individual that uh, was upset because of some things that we said last week, but apparently he, um, Pastor John, right? John, Pastor yeah, John um, Muffet, is is a millennial. So mm-hmm. uh, he did mention two kingdom theology, which I think we'll get into today. Um, so we may not have. 
I think I said probably would say certain things. Um, so he's amillennial, but that doesn't change the point I was trying to make. So I just want to clarify, he's actually yeah. amillennial. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't change the point I was Yeah, and there was a video that about. actually mischaracterized what we did last week. It said, like, we, we had an embarrassing critique of Theocast. Yeah, which was... We never even brought hmm. up. Yeah, yeah, we don't. I'm, I, I didn't know. know I didn't know. Theocast. I didn't know Pastor John represented Theocast, yeah. and he was Theocast. We yeah. thought we were we were talking to John and to uh, Doreen. Yeah. Uh, so that in itself was kind of a misrepresentation. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't talk to Theocast. We said, "Hey, John is talking to Doreen. Let's engage with yeah, the, what they exactly. say." We didn't know he represented. He was Theocast. Yeah. Um, didn't know that. Theocast um, personified. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into it. So this is, uh, we did some last week. Uh, we're going to do some, and this is what we said that it gets worse. Um, we didn't mean that to insult the brother by any means. We meant it gets worse in terms of the mischaracterizations get worse, and this isn't helpful ultimately. So that's that's what we were saying. So here we go. Um, and we want to try to provide some um, beneficial conversations surrounding the errors that are made here. Authorities to, ob- to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, and to speak evil of no one, and to avoid quarreling, and to be gentle, and, and show perfect courtesy to all people. Well, it would be one thing we could be confused if he just kind of said it in one area of the Bible, but he says it in multiple areas of the Bible. Even in Ephesians, he talks about praying for our leaders, right? So if we are supposed to be taking the law and overturning governments with the law, that doesn't work real well mm-hmm. if Paul is telling us to obey them. So it, he should have saying, infiltrate them. He should say, take over and implement this. Um, and so this. This, this is an important element. Um, when, <clears throat> when you look at the situation happening in the first century with the apostles generally, and of course the Christians at the same time, just everyday Christians who were being persecuted by Rome, being destroyed by Rome, being slaughtered by Rome, um, you know, being tied up to stakes and ratched in pitch and lit on fire and, you know, Nero's situation where he's eating Christians and just some foul stuff going on with Nero and his life was disgusting. Um, but the we mentioned last week, the reason the early Christians were in so much trouble with Rome wasn't because Rome was this pagan empire that just didn't like this additional addendum Oh, this Jesus character. Like, they they didn't... That's not their problem. Rome's pagan. You can worship whatever you please. The problem was, actually, that those early Christians were making statements that were treasonous and put them in um, direct violation of Roman... um, uh, principles, and that is that Caesar is Lord. He's he's the ultimate. You must yield to the emperor as ultimate. And the early Christians are saying, actually, no. Jesus is Lord above Caesar, and th- that's one thing they can't have. They can't have they can't have two ultimates at mm-hmm. war in Rome. You can't have Caesar and his ultimacy versus this Jesus character and his ultimacy. And that's what the early Christians were saying. And that's by the way why they were killed. They were killed because they wouldn't bow to the ultimacy right. of Caesar, Caesar Curios. Yep. Caesar is so Lord. And so actually, the situation is much worse than is expressed here, because actually Paul was um, instigating controversy with the Roman government in the first century. That's why he was killed, Mm -hmm. because he claimed that there was another king, one Jesus. Um, That's why Peter and that's why the apostles were slaughtered by Rome. That's why the early Christians are killed by Rome, because they actually were making statements that put them into direct conflict with the Roman government of their day. And, um, you know, furthermore, you, you do have examples just in the New Testament itself of the early apostles actually saying to 
rulers and authorities in their day, um, you know, I know you're telling me, you know, they're giving me like a, a command, don't preach in his name anymore, but I'm telling you I must obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. Now, if those Christians can make that statement in that time and they're being commanded by civil authorities not to not to speak anymore in Christ's name and they can actually say, I got to obey God rather than men. Um, what's that obey God rather than men part look like? Is there some objective revelation or standard somewhere that told the apostles what they were supposed to stand on in terms of obeying God rather than men? Because that's in the New Testament too. That's in the book of Acts where they're commanded, you do this. They're saying, I can't do that. Why? Because God said, here, I got to obey him over your word. What revelation was that? Same revelation that Paul refers to Timothy, the one that was theonoustos, all scripture, profitable for instruction, training in righteousness, godliness. Do you think that counts for the government too? Especially, and I'll shut up, here. When someone says, you know, I don't know if we're supposed to be uh, overturning governments with the law. First of all, that is a complete misrepresentation of the theonomic position. Yep. I, I I know every theonomic person I've ever read or listened to has never expressed the theonomic position in that way whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, they take pains to say that is exactly what we're not saying. So that's why I said this is an embarrassing critique of the law of God, because I don't know anybody that said that. And I dare, I, I defy you to find Bonson saying Only it. the critics of R.J. Rushdoony saying it. How about Douglas Wilson? He's a he's a modern writer on the law of God and justice. I, I dare you to find him saying it. I dare you to find any of the Puritans saying something like that. No, it's gospel centered. It's because of the gospel itself. But be that as it may, um, when we talk about like bringing the authority of Christ into conflict with the culture. I think it was God in Psalm chapter two, the Father that says to the Son. Ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, the very ends of the earth for your possession. But then he actually says to the rulers and kings of the earth to obey the son or they'll perish. Mm -hmm. So actually it's the father who says to the rulers of this world to obey his son or they're going to perish. It's not just Christians that are called to do it, to say, hey, repent and turn to Christ, trust in him for salvation and forgiveness, obey Jesus. It's not just Christians, it's the father saying to the nations the kings and saying you're going to obey my son or you're going to perish i just quickly i was going to say i mean that's what's going on in china right now china china that's why the christians are in trouble there that's why they had to go underground because they're saying jesus is lord and frankly um this sort of mentality i think has led to christians and our culture uh, becoming way too comfortable yep. and you know and, it, and we start to just let things go let things slide here and there oh it's not a big deal and then one day which we're quickly headed that Mm -hmm. direction we're going to be in that position where we're in trouble for saying jesus is lord absolutely yeah i mean psalm 2 clearly prophesies that which which we see in the gospels is claimed to be being fulfilled in the coming of christ Mm -hmm. and we get that order kiss the son lest he be angry you're gonna all get smoked if you don't kiss the son and then jesus last words to us are to go out and disciple the nations this is a command in the great commission to have national impact i think that one one other um confusion in the way he's applying it here is he's conflating two things that you need to distinguish between so the we do have a command to submit to the civil magistrate even if the civil magistrate is not a born-again christian so if i'm driving down the road and i see the siren lights in my rearview mirror and i i know how fast i was going i need to pull over because i'm going to submit to the civil magistrate and which i i fully grant that we ought to in those instances submit but there is a there is a difference between instruction given to 
your present situation with an ungodly ruler over you, how you're supposed to respond to his direct commands to you. I think that if it's one that you can follow without violating your conscience, you ought to submit to the magistrate. If he's requiring something of you that violates your conscience, if he's telling you you must bow down to Caesar, then you have to say, too bad, I'm not doing it. So so I do think we have a we have we have an obligation that scripture gives us to be um, good and faithful subjects to our government. But that's not the same thing as saying what we should be working for in that government, or if you are that civil magistrate, how ought you to be behaving? So, so comparatively, or um, take some other sort of similar situations. We have um, we have commands in Scripture for how a slave is supposed to treat his owner, mm-hmm. and yet we're hoping for that institution of slavery to die. We're hoping for that to go away. You have um, commands to a woman who's married to an ungodly husband. There's a certain conduct that she's supposed to have, a mm. godly and submissive conduct that will hopefully evangelize him. But that in no way is telling us, and we think it's really great that she has this ungodly yeah. husband, or we have, it's really great that he has this slave master. So, so yeah, we have an ungodly government, and we're, there's a certain way we're supposed to behave. But part of, part of the goal or the teleology of that kind of behavior is to win that magistrate over and win him to Christ so that his actions are actually those of a man that kisses the sun. Mm. Yeah. You missed the, I love the Ben Merkel translation of Psalm 2 was basically kiss the sun or get smoked. <laughs> that's great. That's pretty it. much it. Yeah. When his wrath is kindled, you're going to burn it's, up. Yeah. That's, it, that's the Hebrew. Nash, bar pen ye enof. Kiss yeah. the sun lest you get smoked. Yeah. That's good. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, and just to give you, a, I think, an example, and, and by the way, we're, we're not the standard here. It's just a fresher in mind because we'd actually just dropped this. We, we brought our whole church. To the Phoenix City Council, this is just a short clip. We brought our entire church. I encourage you to go to Apologia Studios on YouTube. It's here. And uh, we're going to be dropping these over the next couple of weeks. It was amazing. I mean, Apologia Church filled that place up and just went up one after the other and preached the gospel to the city council. And go w- watch them. I mean, there's not one person in there who doesn't talk about Christ, call to repentance, faith in Christ, eternal life. I mean, it's all there in our testimony to the legislators, and we were demanding they obey God and establish justice in this, for the sake of the preborn, and we told them there's going to be a day of judgment where they're going to be judged for their actions. That's Christian witness to the legislature. And what's it saying? It's saying, these are God's standards, this is God's law, you have to obey Jesus and repent and believe in Christ. So I'll give you just an example of like what, what a uh, gospel-centered, theonomic-laced message to the legislature might look like. And there's numerous of these up on our channel. Thank you, Mayor and members of the council. My name is Reverend Jeff Durbin. I'm in opposition today, and I'm a pastor of Apologia Church and the head of End Abortion Now. And I'm a resident of the city of Phoenix. By God's grace, uh, we're the organization that has actually put in the bills of abolition and criminalization across the United United States of America, including Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and there's more coming. We also filed the amicus brief in the Dobbs case that defeated Roe. Uh, just an observation, uh, it's an incontrovertible fact that what's in the womb is human from conception. That is not under dispute, that's not debated. Somebody making that claim is about 50 years behind the science. There's an incontrovertible fact that what's in the womb is human from the moment of conception and all humans deserve equal protection. When the Christian abolitionists fought to criminalize slavery based upon the Christian scriptures and Christian worldview, they had to contend with rulers and powerful white people who just couldn't let it go. 
They fought, those rulers, to dehumanize our black brothers and sisters and not offer them equal protection under the law, the same thing that you're attempting to do today. Dehumanize the preborn and offer them no protection. History has already judged those evil people in the same way future generations will judge you. And more importantly, there is a day of judgment in which you'll be judged for this injustice today. Can you just imagine, friends and fellow residents, when slavery was abolished and criminalized, rulers such as yourselves calling a special session to legislate or resolve to ignore reports of people beating or owning our black brothers and sisters. The law doesn't work in their favor, so they suggest simply ignoring it. Scripture says, those who hate me love death. Nothing could be clearer than that today. I call on you to repent, turn to Christ, and establish justice and equal protection for these innocent preborn human beings. Thank you for your time. So just wanted to give an example of a, a practical example. What does it look like? When you hold the perspective of the law of God as a revelation of God's character, and he defines what is just, what is righteous, what is holy. When you hold to that perspective and like that's abiding and relevant today, when you hold to the perspective that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth today, and he's the ruler of the kings of the earth today, king of kings today, Lord of lords today. And you actually start saying, okay, I'm gonna put legs on that. Like, what does it mean for Jesus today to be the king over the kings of the earth and the Lord over the lords of the earth? Like if it's not, if it's, if you allow it to become more than a pithy slogan and say, what does it actually look like? We hope that these videos are an, are an example of like, well, what does it look like when you bring the Christian gospel into conflict with the world and all of its systems? Not just here in this issue of abortion, but even in the area of education, like education too. Like how do you bring the Christian worldview and the authority of Christ and the truthfulness of God's word into the area of education where you're raising little heroes up and filling out their worldview and the way that they see the world. Like, how do you do that? So that's what it, that's what we mean. You don't see us going in there with swords and knives and military might and saying, y'all yeah. are going to obey Jesus now or get <laughs> smoked. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, that's not how it looks like people, people come to Christ everywhere because of the grace of God, the illumination of the Holy spirit and faith in Christ. Um, that's how people come to Jesus. But, you know, I, I think, and this is, this is where I'll shut up. I, I always find it mind-boggling that's like, you'll hear people saying, like, we need to bring the gospel everywhere. It's all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Like, we don't need to, the government stuff. It's like, so the government, anybody involved in the government is off limits to the, <laughs> right. from the claims of Christ. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, it seems like such a, like a, almost like built up like a noble thing. Like, we're about the gospel. Like, we wouldn't want to impose, like, God's rules out there on like government like that's that's none of our business really we don't really have anything to do with that like we're about the gospel and preaching faith in christ it's like uh so they don't get the gospel over there like they don't get right. the claims of christ there and the call to repentance right. there like yeah. so th they get abandoned from like to all christian truth yeah. is like not relevant to them because they're in this weird realm of government and Jesus has nothing to say about law or morality. Right. Also, just just in terms of effective angel, evangelism, historically, um, it actually worked the reverse. I know at least when the gospel came to pagan Anglo-Saxon England, the strategy was, and I think this is true of much much of Europe, 
the tra- the strategy was always you go and you preach you you locate the king you locate the chief you locate the prince you preach the gospel to him he converts and then the gospel is spread throughout his kingdom but they always went for the king first yeah. and and on that strategy the west was christianized um it's strange now that we've abandoned that strategy and we don't seem to evangelize we, we don't, yeah we don't need to call them <laughs> we don't to see re- new nations come without, yeah, yeah we don't need to call them to repentance and faith say i mean same thing happened in uh, hawaii yeah. Yeah. The, right. the, yeah, the, kingdom, right. the kingdom of Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, within 20 years, you know, they have like literally the Hawaiian constitution saying no law of the Hawaiian kingdom will be at variance with the laws of Jehovah God. That's mm-hmm. kind of specific God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's within 20 years of missionary work because that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, you know, they go to they go to the very top and say, you you need to come to Christ. Right. You need to trust in Jesus. And that's exactly right. And then mm-hmm. it just moves on down the tribe. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where the two kingdom theology comes in and why it's dangerous because it makes this clear distinction where it's like Christ has no authority over the civil realm. Um, He's not concerned with that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And it, and it, and it does it, 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 it removes the light of God's word and the light of Christ from that realm. And boy, are we feeling it today? Mm-hmm. Um, we're feeling it bad. Well, I think I think the other thing, um, moving down a little more practical, is one of the dangers of that is you you get that two kingdom theology and you start to get a two kingdom life, where where um, you have a more and more compartmentalized kind of faith, where faith is something that's expressed on Sunday morning, but nine to five at work. You have a career that requires that you, it feels like I have a career that requires I be a certain kind of man, which is um, rude, abrupt, abrasive, um, combative. And you're this kind of person all, all the time at work or in traffic when you're driving. But your Christianity doesn't apply to that because you've put it in this one little corner. And I think then you start to slide down the, into all kinds of other sins because you've restricted the law of God in your own heart. It's not holding you back anymore. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. So let's take a look at, we're filling this out so much. Hopefully that's a benefit. Like we're, we're letting a little bit of talk go yeah. in and trying to give you as much yeah. as we possibly can, because it's an important subject and by, we're not going to do all of this, but uh, we think it's a good conversation to have. And, and we'll let him talk a little more here. It goes back to the argument of Matthew 28, where it says, uh, go into all the world, make disciples, teaching the nations. You don't hear Paul standing up against the Roman governments, telling them you need to be underneath God's law. You just don't see that. No. Really? That's it. Again, it's he interesting. didn't appeal to Caesar, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's it. It is so interesting that if you read the Book of Acts, you see something very, very different in terms of how Paul is interacting with the world, how he appeals to Scripture as foundational and ultimate. Um, the the things that he's saying that got him in so much trouble with Rome. Like what, what the Jews were using against him and what, like same thing with Jesus and like appealing to Rome. Um, this is a, this is an important conversation to have because we forget that the basic Christian confession of Christ having all authority in heaven and on earth and having, uh, he's Lord over Caesar, like that's what got them in trouble. So like this whole idea of like, he's not, you know, He's not speaking to government officials sort of a thing and like, you know, making appeals so you got to obey God's law. Here's the question. I here I think the simplest way I can put it, you have to forgive me because I'm exhausted, but here's the simplest way I can put it. If the early Christians are slaughtered and killed and martyred because of their confession that Christ is Lord, what about that confession that Christ is Lord was so offensive to Caesar? It was that Caesar had to obey Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay, obey Jesus in what? 
like in to what degree do we did did Paul and the early Christians die for that confession? Like to what degree does Caesar have to obey Jesus? Like completely in everything? You think that like do you think Paul was saying Caesar just half? <laughs> like just half of what Jesus wants from you. Like if you could just give Jesus that. Like no. They were saying Jesus is ultimate, he has all authority, and like you must obey Jesus. We'll be good citizens, we'll be good Roman citizens, but we will not recognize the ultimacy of Caesar over Jesus. Like whatever Christ commands that is in opposition to Caesar, we will obey Christ mm-hmm. over Caesar every time. And that was that's what was so offensive. So I would say, like, you can fill this out a little more, but I would say at a real basic level, that argument is very easy to take down. The early Christians were killed for their confession that Christ is Lord over Caesar, which meant that it was Christ's law over Caesar's law. And what was the law that Christ promoted? Well, clearly he wasn't in opposition to Moses. Yeah. So. Oh, I was just thinking of Acts 26 when Paul shows up before Agrippa um, and Festus. You know, it's pretty clear that he's going to go straight to the kings, to the leaders, and tell them, you yourself must be saved. And you have to govern like this as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's right there. I mean, you also, I mean, we could do this for days, but uh, I think on the last one, did you read Colossians? Yeah, Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1. Um, can you pull that up while I, yeah. I pull something over here real fast? You read again Colossians chapter 1 in terms of how far reaching did the Apostle Paul think this was going to go? Um, this Christian message, the the claims and authority of Jesus. When we think about what Paul himself actually said, are you there? No, I was in the wrong thing. Oh, no so. problem. So I think I can... I was accidentally in the commentary. And well, I'll do it right here. Uh, I got it. Sorry. I apologize. Um, in First Corinthians, uh, sorry, Colossians 1, 15, <laughs> he's the image of the invisible... God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and what? For him. For him. Every institution, everything in creation, through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood Mm -hmm. of his cross. And so you can continue reading here. Um, this is, I think, one of my favorite sections of scripture, like Colossians 1, 2, and 3. It's just amazing. Um, but the, the picture that Paul and the apostles had, the portrait they had of like the kingdom of Christ, his reign and his authority, very different than we're used to today, hearing about today in terms of we compartmentalize the Christian message and the Christian faith. We privatize the Bible. Um, well, what's Ecclesiastes? What's Joe say? He said, we ecclesiasticize the Bible. Yes. We've right. ecclesiasticized the Bible. We've basically made the Bible the church book. Like it's for the church. It's between that, like those walls. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong out in the public square and culture and society. Like the the authoritative claims of Christ really end at the church door. That's how we see it today. Mm-hmm. We've ecclesiasticized yeah. the Bible. And that is just certainly not the message of the New Testament itself oh, or the Old Testament promises of his kingdom. So not only of Paul, but of anyone. You go read the whole book of Acts. Mm-hmm. All of the disciples, you don't ever see them doing that. And so I think it's safe. Ever see them like pressing the crown rights of Jesus Christ (laughs) against the governing authorities? 
How about when they when they get take a beating for Jesus and they're commanded not to preach in his name? Which law are they appealing to when they reject the laws of men? When they say we must obey God rather than men? Yeah. When they say we must obey God's law over man's law, what were they appealing to? The stipulated law of God, the revelation of God. So this whole idea of like, they never like press the crown rights of Christ and like the law of God versus their governing authorities. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't get six chapters into the book before you start seeing that in the book of Acts. Or even so, John the Baptist. John the Baptist confronted his day. <laughs> it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can yeah. you can spend days doing this, but uh, it's just the, the, the claim is not, it's not true. It's not true. To say, I maybe we've misinterpreted the purposes of the law. Um, I, I think it's a, a gross misinterpretation. Now, what did I say before? It's always healthy to say, why is someone doing this? Do you and I like to see babies murdered? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no. I've been pro-life. Actually, before I was saved, I was pro-life. Yeah, yeah that's it's horrible, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't like to see crime. I don't like to see men and women mistreated. Um, I don't like you know, all of those things are horrible. Right. So, okay, quick thing. Uh, by what standard do you call those things horrible? <laughs> say the exact same thing. So here you have a person who's attempting to denigrate the idea. Maybe that's too strong of a word. Okay, he's dissing the idea of the law of God's abiding relevance today in New Covenant time and in our lives today. He's dissing that idea. Like we don't want that. But then he has to stop himself because he loves Jesus and he's a brother in the Lord and he can't help it. He, I don't love to, I don't like to see this evil go on in the world around me, all the, the, the crime of, of murder and all, people mistreating others. And here's the question, Pastor John, by what standard do you know? Yeah, ma- making a very strong legal determination and rooting it in a implicit mutual kind of dislike of something, mm-hmm. like we all sort of dislike that and therefore we're going to make that a law. That's a really scary thing to base your law on. You, you'd like to hope that this is based on uh, an objective mm-hmm. uh, ob- objective standard, mm-hmm. but you got to be able to cite where that standard is coming from. Yeah, something right. transcendent. Yeah. Like if, if you don't have a law above the king, mm-hmm. the king will become the law. If right. you don't have a law above your legislature, then your legislature will become the law. If mm-hmm. you don't have a law above the community, then the community will become the law. They'll define it for themselves. And so that's, you know, what you get the concept that's come through church history. Thank God those guys did this doctrinal developments through history and scripture and all the rest. Lex Rex. Exactly right. Like the law is king. What they were referring to there was the transcendent nature of the law. It transcends kings. It transcends time. It transcends location. It's transcendent. It's God's law. It comes from his own mouth. And so, yeah, that's the key issue is like, you're not going to get any common agreement ultimately in a sinful world um, because it's going to break down. At some point, like, for example, you can find common agreement at certain points in time in terms of like, let's just use our own, our own experience. I'll just say this one thing. Common agreement that say like there is a perverse form of human sexuality and it looks like this. And there's PSA commercials done about it in the 50s of like, mm. you know, men with men, women mm-hmm. with women. Like there was a certain point where like there was a consensus yeah. like, yeah, you can't do that. By the way, where that consensus come from? Uh, <laughs> kind of an evangelized culture, yeah. a culture that had impacted, been impacted by the biblical worldview. But in the 50s, you've got PSA, public service announcements about the homosexual. But look, it only took a generation 
And now the consensus is sort of like it's the other direction. Yeah. Because they're not appealing to a transcendent law above them. They're not going to Moses. Mm -hmm. They're not going to Leviticus. They don't want to listen to it. They won't go to Paul or Moses. They're just like, no, we've decided. We feel like this is right. This is good. We're not going to appeal to anything above us or below us. We're actually going to point directly at ourselves. We're not going to even try to appeal above. We're going to say, no, it's me, 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 me. And so that's the that's the problem with this pursuit. Yeah. You know, I want the law of God. I know the law of God is good. But um, yeah. You have Christians who are saying, look, we live in a nation and we're just doing horrendous things. And, you know, uh, I think homosexuality is prison and sex outside of marriage is prison. It's, it's all horrible, right? It's all mm -hmm. horrible stuff. And so it's intriguing when someone says, but it's God's purpose and God's mission that the law, which we love, that the law govern the nations and so every nation should basically be a christian nation that's governed by god that okay so uh i'm gonna try oh. to go as quickly as possible and, and continue let me talk um uh quickly i would say that a person making that claim shows and i, and I don't mean this offensively ignorance uh, ignoring ignorance uh the texts from the old testament revelation that clearly speak to what the messiah's mission in the world was so for example you've got of course salvation forgiveness for the nations you've got the knowledge of god covering the earth like the waters cover the sea you do have all those pastors from the old testament you have psalm 110 the most popular verse in the new testament from the old that he must reign until he's put all of his enemies yes. under his feet as a footstool for his feet and that's where christ that look paul says in first corinthians 15 that's where jesus is now he's on the davidic throne reigning today putting all of his enemies under his feet but this whole idea of like you know we don't expect like the nations to love god's law and to promote God's law, like that's that's just we just don't see that. The, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. The Old Testament makes it pretty abundantly clear. You can start in Genesis 49:10. The Shiloh who is coming, the one who is coming to him, was going to be the obedience of the nations. What were they going to obey again? Like they're going to obey Jesus, but but like what? Um, and you can continue to go down the line in where you know Psalm two. You know, the Father says, "Obey the Son, or you get smoked." Um, <laughs> I love it. Psalm chapter two. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but you also have Isaiah chapter two. The reign of the Messiah was going to have all the nations drawn up to God's mountain, and then it says the Torah, mm. like the law, the Torah, God's law was going to go forth from the people of God. So like the law is literally a constituent element of the kingdom of the Messiah in history. And by the way, if, if, if our brother here is a mill, then he would agree with post mills that the kingdom of God has arrived in history. Yeah. It has arrived in history. It's, it's ongoing, right? Post mill and a mill agree with that. Like the Christ brought the messianic kingdom as promised on time. Post mill, a mill were brothers in that, in that respect. But it's question of like, well, what happens now? Well, like, so we got to deal with the verses. Isaiah chapter two says the law of God goes forth on the people of God. What is it? The Torah. Or how about Isaiah 42? Isaiah 42 says that the Messiah, this messianic figure is going to come into the world. He's going to be gentle, lowly, you know, no burning, you know, faintly burning wick, you, you know, that, that passage. But then it says he will faithfully bring forth justice on the earth and the coastlands wait for his Torah. Isn't it amazing uh, that the promises of the Messiah's kingdom actually have salvation, forgiveness, life, and then justice, law, all that. Like it's, 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 it's a constituent element of the whole thing. It's comprehensive. It's the whole world. It's every area of life. It's what the Jews were expecting mm -hmm. because that's what the text says. Uh, and you can go on for days here in terms of like the promise was that the new covenant itself would come with 
the blessings of the law of God. And if you say like, you know, yeah, but it's internalized now. Yeah. And that law that's internalized is still objectively revealed by God. That's a key thing. Someone says, now it's in your heart. Yeah. Which law? Right. Like the revelation right. of God. It's still an objective law. Like I saw a, a cultist um, yesterday. I saw Sean McCraney, you know, abandoned, mm. abandoned every meaningful, essential part of the Christian faith. Um, I saw him say like, no, now we have in a new covenant. He says, we got the law of God on our hearts. So now in the new covenant, this is all subjective. And what? I thought, what? I was that beep, like, beep, beep, beep. Mm. Like, you know, like sort of like pull over the, the cop car. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> like pull the, and like, hold on, pull over, pull over. Um, actually, Jeremiah 31, 31 says it's on your heart. The law, definite article, is going to be on your heart, which means that it is most certainly okay. not subjective because <laughs> yeah. it's the law, which was right. the revelation of God on the hearts of human beings. Sorry. That's all right. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, this, again, we mentioned this last week, but it's part of the Great Commission. Like, what? what is it all that he has commanded? What does that mean? Just some of the law? Mm-hmm. You know? No, it means all that. And, and it goes, again, back to why are the coastlands waiting for the law? The idea is the gospel starts and and goes forth, right, until all the coastlands have been touched by the law and and the gospel. And so, like, they they go hand in hand. It's connected. I think part of it is we, we don't spend any time actually reading our Old Testament. Right. We don't spend any time yeah. reading the law. So we come up with these um, gross characterizations, mischaracterizations of what it is. And mm-hmm. so anytime law comes up, and I think you see that in some of this, there's this idea that it immediately means um, external, um, non-spirit given human effort to be a certain kind of good yeah. rather than what scripture describes is law is describing the character of God and what the love of God looks like. And one of the things that I think is really striking is um, evangelicals, if we read our Old Testaments at all, we tend to read the Psalms because it's very sort of passionate, emotional, uh, uh, devotional language. Mm-hmm. But when David is writing in the Psalms and he'll be talking about his love for the word of God, What's the word that David had? <laughs> it's the it's the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he he had the law, and he had this deep understanding, this mm-hmm. real devotion to to um, the law, and an understanding. This was describing the love of God, the righteousness of God, and how beautiful it was when that then is exhibited in your own life in the way you love God and the way you love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. The law that the first tablet of the law commanding how you love God, right. and the second describing how you love your neighbor. It's love because God is love, but that's what the law is describing for us. That's right. It's so good. Yeah, and the and and then the rest of the law becomes an even further as explication of what it looks like to love God and love neighbor in terms of uh, the principle of the preservation of life wherever it is, the parapet around the roof of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you love your neighbor? Preserve their life. Yeah. You know, uh, how do you love their neighbor? Don't move your boundary marker. Mm-hmm. Like, don't take their property. Don't right. steal like that. They're like, don't steal like like to what degree? Like, don't move that over. Like, it's theirs. Don't don't inch inch it inch, inch its way over. Um. You know, you've even got, like, Jesus said, like, all the law and the prophets are built upon love for God, love for neighbor. And that means, like, every part of it is, to some degree, is love God, love neighbor. How is that there? I mean, you've got stuff in God's law that has to do with, like, uh, collateral, proper use of collateral, uh, down payments. Mm -hmm. Um, We're doing that this, this Sunday. Like a like a, a, a sermon from the Proverbs going into the... By the way, I can't preach from the Proverbs and explain the wisdom of God from the Proverbs without actually going to God's law yeah. 
Because there's stuff that like like Solomon says in, in Proverbs, you'll see it and you'll be like, I don't know what in the world that means. And then you go, oh, wait, if I actually appeal to the law that was given, I understand how like Solomon's applying this pr- principle of wisdom in terms of usury or uh, the issue of like co-signing and becoming, you know, um, standing up and saying, you know, I'll take I'll take responsibility for the debt if, if, yeah. if they don't do it anyway, like. I don't know where I was going with that, but the law of God is good. I'm losing my mind now. So, okay. Hey, you know, Luke, we'll continue this conversation because it's yeah, good. We're just, very, there's no, it's, still more. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah, like it, is, oh, yeah. it, the, the, the mischaracterizations get worse. Yeah. Um, there's, there's more face plans in terms of like, that's not what we believe. And yeah. I don't know anybody that teaches that. So there's, there's those moments, but it gets, I think a little better in terms of like, you begin to discover some of the traditions that like say Doreen, mm. our sister that we love Doreen, she has a tradition, mm-hmm. a way that she sees particular mm-hmm. text. Yeah. And so when someone says like, Hey, you know, the world's going to, you know, the gospel, the great commission is actually going to be accomplished. Yeah. And she's like, well, wait a second. Like, you know, there's yeah. going to be wars and rumors exactly. of wars and there's going to be famines and pl- pestilence and pl- it's going to get worse. Everyone hang on. And I'm sitting over here going, yeah, <laughs> Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13, Jesus says all that's going to happen before they all died. Yeah. They all died. And isn't interesting, like early Christian fathers and apologists were appealing to the very text she's saying are future to us. They were saying that that's proof Jesus is the Messiah because it actually happened already. Like we're like, uh oh, like we got to unpack this. It's like, what what traditions are we bringing to the text? Mm -hmm. And and this I'll final I'll end on this even to this degree of like, not just what eschatological traditions, but what traditions surrounding our view of the law are we bringing to this conversation right now? Uh, I think it's important to address and we'll do some more. Sweet. Do you have anything you want to say you want to add? No, this was really good and helpful. I know a lot of people were blessed by last week, so good. just keep it going. Uh, Ben, we love you, man. And we love all that you're doing. It's mutual. And and, uh, I'd like to give you this last moment here. Tell everyone what you want to know about NSA. Where to go, what yeah, to do. Definitely check us out, nsa.edu. Um, follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're putting out a lot of really good media, and it's a lot of interesting stuff to follow. I would particularly relevant to this conversation, NSA last year founded the Hale Institute of Law and Policy, directed by Jeff Schaefer. And if you go and look at the Hale Institute, you will see some profoundly insightful wrestling with what it looks like to actually articulate the vision that we're talking about. Jeff is a brilliant mind and doing really good work here. And there's hopefully increasingly good material coming out on that on that webpage. Excellent, Sweet. brother. Check that out. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having Loved me. having you here again. Uh, hopefully we'll see you in Moscow sometime soon. Yeah. yeah, get on up there. It's always good to go to Moscow. Ben's actually about to record some academy classes I know, for Academy us, for Apology All Access. Get on All yeah. Access. So. All Access partners, we want to bless you. You make everything we do possible for the, the, the thousands of people that are coming to Christ out of Mormonism, the babies that are being saved, whatever it is, it's only happening because we have partners just like you making all this possible. And we want to bless you. So we got plans like for next year to make it a real blessing to be a part of All Access. So we've got Apolo- we got the Academy uh, revamped like a masterclass version. Uh, we got uh, Andrew Sandlin. We got Ben Merkel. And I'm doing one, believe it or not, on Eschatology Whoa. next week. I'm filming it. Um, and so there'll be some special stuff there. So sign up at All Access, uh, apologiastudios.com. Boy, that's all I had for today. Um, that's good. And abortionnow.com is where you go to get signed up, guys, for your church. Bless you. We'll catch you next week right here on Apology Radio.